Welcome back to the Living Every Now podcast. My name is Jake. And my name is Will. And today we are ending season one, kind of. It's the, it's the second to last episode, and we, we record these things uh, in tandem. We record one episode. This, this is the format. I record an episode. Will records an episode. We put it out. We're reaching episode 50 after Will's done here. And these next two episodes, we're going to talk about our favorite books. And we're going to talk about fiction and nonfiction. But it's a, uh, it's a time for us. Like the reason we're, we're ending the season is because we're trying to try and take the next step with Living Every Now podcast and start inviting next more guests and learning from others. Uh, the first, first 50 episodes were basically practice for ourselves to get better at this. Hopefully we've gotten better from episode one. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think we've gotten better. At least a little bit, marginally. Yeah, we're not good, but we're better. <laughs> we definitely at least a little bit better. Um, so that's the premise. Today's episode, like I said, is our favorite books. And we decided to start with nonfiction, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. we saved fiction for next. And there's a ton of symbolism there. It's really important that fiction is our 50th. <laughs> we, we flipped a coin. Well, I did in my head when you asked me the question. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. I think this will be fun. Yeah. So we, we, we've covered uh, how important reading is or the, like the giving the gift of reading or what, it, what was the episode? The greatest gift you can give yourself. That's what it was, was uh, reading. And obviously it holds a lot of importance in our lives. These books are, I don't know, both things that we enjoyed, right? Is that how you did yours? Things that we enjoyed and things that we found important at some level to read. I guess, yeah. I, I would say just the books that I would recommend to other people. Okay, that's fair. Some of them I didn't enjoy when I was reading them, but they still made a big impact on me. Okay. Well... I think there's at least one book that we share, which we can probably kick off with, which is The Lessons of History by Will and Ariel Durant. Okay, yeah, that's a great book. Yeah, I think that that, that makes my top 10 for sure of books to read ever. And just, it it, it took me, why I, why I loved it was that it it made me appreciate history where I, actually was on the other side of the fence from that. I, would, I didn't, I actually didn't appreciate history uh, publicly. <laughs> like, like you were public about the fact that you didn't appreciate it? <laughs> yeah, like I've said that to people before is my point. You're like, I've fuck s- those old guys. Yeah, I'm like, fuck history. Why do we care about history? I've said that statement before. And then that book changed my opinion about the importance of history for the rest of my life, I think. Yeah, I think history is probably the most important thing. <laughs> it's probably pretty important. <laughs> and it's it's so interesting to learn about too. It doesn't feel like work when you're learning about it. Right. I think now I have that a- approach, whereas I didn't always have that approach. Um, but yeah, that, I'll kick off with that. What about you? Okay. Um, before we move on from that, are there any like big takeaways from that book or why you would recommend it? Just well, insights from history? Yeah, that's the thing. It's a super high-level overview of history. Like, yeah. You don't, really learn that many facts it's kind of more about trends and that's that kind of why is an appreciation of history now leaving that reading that book is because that's what that's why we study history is not the facts not the like you know this sister did this to this person it's the lessons 
And that's that that seems like the most critical part of studying history. And it feels like I didn't get the that why while I was in school. And so I didn't get that appreciation. Whereas that one book that I spent, by the way, I spent a day on each chapter. Like I spent, they're, they're very dense. Uh, it's a very dense small book. It's like, what is it? Only like 120 pages or 130 pages, but it's, and it's only like 13 chapters, but it is just dense. Like there's a lot of conclusions being drawn from all over and throughout history that mm. make it really good. It's just really valuable. Since I read that book, I have read a lot more of Will and Ariel Durant's stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that that is probably their best book. Like they, Will Durant um, has a book called The Story of Philosophy, which is also really good. Right, right, right. That and they have popular. like a 12-volume uh, encyclopedia of history, um, which I obviously have not gotten all the way through. I wish I, I had the motivation to do that. But um, <laughs> yeah, they're really, really good writers. And that book, The Lessons of History, is kind of their culmination of what they wrote after they wrote this giant 12-volume series. And that, and just as a writer, that's what's so... Like, if you are a person that appreciates literature or appreciates writing, it's so apparent that that is the case. It's so apparent reading that book that they are very well studied. Like, they don't, they don't, make, any, they don't make any claims to try and prove to you that they know history. It's just the lessons are right there in front of you, and it's, it's really, really good. Mm-hmm. Really, really good. But, yeah, I figured we could, like, toss it back one... Back and forth. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Okay. Um, I'm going to start out with probably my favorite nonfiction book of all time, which is When Breath Becomes Air. Yeah. Um, and it's just a sad book, but it's about a guy who's really, really smart and trains his whole life to be a brain surgeon, and then he gets cancer and dies. And he writes this book for his daughter before he dies. It's really sad. Um, but I think there's a lot of good lessons in it because he's clearly a really smart guy with a good set of writing capabilities. Um, And I felt more appreciative of life after reading it, and I would recommend it to anybody. Nice. Nice. And uh, Will very graciously gave that to me for a birthday gift, so I'll be checking that out. No pressure at all. (laughs) It's definitely not a book for everybody, Uh, and probably like the first third of it is kind of slow because it's like him being a kid growing up and like setting the stage for all the stuff that happens in his life. Uh Um, But I think what's so interesting about it is he dealt with death every single day as a doctor Mm -hmm. and had to tell people that they're going to die or, you know, he had patients who he was operating on who died mid procedure. Uh, He had such an intimate relationship with death, but never considered how he would deal with it if he was in that position. Uh, and I guess that's going to happen to all of us. Yeah, I think we all, I was just thinking that we all probably do that at some level with everything. Yeah, I 100% feel invincible. Yeah. And I don't even know how I would begin to act if someone told me you have eight months to live. Yeah, how scary. Yeah, the, the scary part isn't that I was am going to die because that's going to happen either way. The scary part is that like... I only got that amount of, amount of time left. Yeah, and and now, oh shit, look at all the time I wasted uh-huh. or spent caring about the wrong things. Ugh. Which is like probably 99% of the, the stuff I do is caring <laughs> about the wrong things. Right, right, right. Wow, yeah. I feel like those are, that's probably a good one to reread too. 
Yeah, definitely. Every couple of years. And I I think that might have been one of the first books I read that was by someone who I really respected who also claimed to be a Christian. And like when I first read that book, I was kind of in a time of my life where I was got very anti-religion. Mm. Um, and he, I, I guess, was the first person to explain how you can use religion as just metaphors and not take any of it literally at all and still get value out of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say that I have done that because I honestly am still not religious, <laughs> but definitely softened my views towards religion and saw its value for its non-culty aspects. Right, right. Like the giving people hope type thing. Or just like good lessons for life. That too. <laughs> like he st- didn't have any hope that he was going to go to heaven. Mm-hmm. But he was like, the 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 lessons are still good lessons. If you... I think I'm going to misquote this completely, but to paraphrase what he said, it was like, I have no idea whether God is real or not, but it absolutely doesn't matter because if you just redefine God to be the sum of everything that is good and important and take all the stories as metaphors, then it's like probably the most useful book. True. Yeah. Cool. Still probably not going to read it, but hey. What can you do? <laughs> Bible's a long fucking book. There's a lot of books to read. It should be on our non, our, our, like, what do we put on the nonfiction or fiction episode? Who knows? <laughs> Historical fiction. I think it's I think it's uh, up for debate, which is the scary part. Um, I would like to recommend. I I don't even know if these are recommendations because I th- I thought of these I guess just as things that were impactful to me. Um, okay, that's so, fine too. Yeah. So, well, I guess I didn't because some of them are ones I would just recommend. So The Psychology of Money, is I'll touch on that. That's by Morgan Housel. It's not like a groundbreaking book. The The ideas are not crazy. They're not radical. It's not spectacular. It's actually very written. It's written straight to the point. Did you actually ever read it? I did read it. I, I read it probably a few months before you did. Oh, okay. Um. And I honestly didn't like it that much, mm-hmm. but I had read lots of money books before then. Right, right. So this is why, this is what I'm going to get to is like, this is a good starting point. And the reason it's on my list is because everyone needs to read something like this if they don't read this book. And uh, personal finance seems to escape our curriculum in a really practical and helpful way. And if you don't get it at home, you don't get it at all. And so I, you know, I'm, I, I, I want to champion financial literacy enablement as much as possible and resources that are, do so in a good, good job, like do it, you know, do it well. <laughs> I want to, I want to share those as much as possible. So that's why I brought it up and it's a book about money. It's a book about not accruing money or being wealthy, but truly understanding the psychology of it really and and why we make the decisions we do um what we choose to spend our money on and why maybe that's not in line with our goals or it is and how uh, it really breaks down how being financially literate and getting control of your finances is really how you take control of your life at least in this game that we play uh and that doesn't seem to be changing anytime soon so 
really helpful, really impactful. If you're lost with money, if you feel overwhelmed by money, this is a good place to start. Mm -hmm. I didn't find it super actionable, but I thought there was a lot of good takeaways that kind of underpin the psychology of it. Totally. And if like, that's true. If you really, this, I mean, I'm, I think the takeaways is coupling this book with something like YNAB where you have an actionable philosophy for actually putting your money in the proper places. So understanding this high level view and then a more practical day to day. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I would also throw in there the simple path to wealth by JL Collins, which is kind of like the psychology of money, but instead of beating around the bush, the guy just tells you what to invest in pretty much. Mm. Um, but not in like a scammy way. Um, so yeah, th- that's a, another good book if you like reading boring financial books. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'll throw The Intelligent Investor in there too. Did you actually like The Intelligent Investor? I read every word. Did you get anything out of it? Yeah, the gist was don't, <laughs> don't invest in stocks. <laughs> like the gist was have a portfolio that's balanced because like a lot of it's dated to be completely fair, mm-hmm. but I read a revised edition. Um that was like revised in 2016 or something. So it wasn't, it wasn't that dated. Uh, but the, pr- the principles are invest the same amount every month. Uh, don't invest in stocks because you can't beat the market and invest in index funds. And there was a lot of, ev- there's a lot of like argument in that book for bonds. Um, but I don't feel like they're as applicable anymore either. Uh, but the, like the way I do it is, I I treat index funds like my like bonds part of my portfolio because those are like the passive parts of your portfolio more or less. And then I take a little bit of that massive portfolio or of 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 the chunk. Like I'll take like twenty percent and I invest those sorts of individual stocks based off of that book. So I like map that advice onto my own practical use. But I'm like. 85% sure index funds didn't exist when that book was first written. Yeah. It didn't. Yeah, that's weird. I don't know. <laughs> it didn't. Didn't Vanguard create index funds? I don't know. I'm pretty sure it was Vanguard. Some, I don't know. Some dude there. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Psychology of Money is a good book. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, let's see. Your I turn. I guess, yeah, my turn. Yeah, your turn. Go. Even though you threw it in a book. Okay. I'm going to go with Mastery by Robert Greene. I read it my junior year of college, um, and it's a typical Robert Greene book where he <laughs> has 300,000 anecdotes from famous people that all kind of tie together in a story about how becoming a master is 100 times harder than you think it's going to be when you first start trying to become a master. Uh, and there's a lot of interesting stories in there. I probably learned as much about history from that book as I did from the uh, story of his, what is it called? Lessons of History by Will and Ariel Durant. Um, wow. Just because it's such a massive book. Yeah. Uh, and he highlights a lot of really interesting. So recording. Oh, there we go. Hey, welcome back. <laughs> oh, I think we are still recording magically. I don't know what the fuck happened. Sorry. No worries. <laughs> That's fine. Um, Yeah, Mastery by Robert Greene. It's, uh, it's a good book. It's about how to become a master in something. 10,000 hours kind of thing. Yeah. Um, how to find a mentor kind of thing. Oh, that one's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mastery. I, I, I recommend all the Robert Greene books if you just want a good read. Like, I, I like I like reading his books. I have the a Seduction one right here. 
I haven't read Mastery yet, but I I'm gonna add it to my list. Did you ever read The Laws of Human Nature? The Laws of Human Nature by Robert Greene. No, I only read The Forty Laws of Power. Okay, that's another really good Robert Greene book. I that one's like probably the hardest to get through, or was for me. Which one? Uh, the Laws of Human Nature. Oh, okay. Um, I feel like that would be an interesting coupling with any Noah Harari. Yeah, probably. Yeah. It's kind of along the same lines. Like, honestly, it, less of an evolutionary perspective mm-hmm. and kind of more about if you were trying to be actionable about, like, sapiens or something and, like, taking those ideas and mapping them onto real people. That's cool. What does that look like? How do you spot these things in people? I can't tell with Robert Greene whether his stuff is true or not. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's he's a really, really good writer, but I don't know if he's right. Okay. Um, and I think those are two separate things. Like, he can make ideas sound really interesting and make right. them feel really important. Um, but his way of breaking up the world and containerizing it into, you know, these are the 48 laws of power or here are like 33 laws of seduction or hit... Maybe it's the 33 Stratagems of War is another one of his books. Yeah. And it, it seems kind of like he's BuzzFeed for smart people, like listicles yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, They're really entertaining, and they're, you're going to get something out of it, but I have no idea whether he's right. I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair, especially with the um, – I felt that way with the 48 Laws of Power. As I was reading, I'm like uh. – <laughs> Just just some of the things I don't know if I would ever want to do to someone else. Yeah. And I I feel like I could, at least in this world that we play, like it could still be pretty powerful. I think that's why it's interesting to read the books though. Yeah. Because he's not giving you advice. He's never saying this is what you should do. Oh yeah. He's just saying like, this is how I'm defining power. And then if you were going to try to attain that, here is what you should do. Right. Still don't know if he's right, but... Very logical, very axiom-based writing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You made me think of a book that I didn't have on my list, which was Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. That was a really cool book for me to get on the path and feel brave enough to get on the path of pursuing mastery in a craft, Um, especially with the anecdotes of like the Beatles in there and many other anecdotes that are sprinkled throughout the book, but introducing the 10,000-hour rule and... Uh, giving me the courage to go out on a limb and believe in myself mm-hmm. a little bit. That book, I think, has the opposite effect on a lot of people, mm. uh, which is kind of cool that you have um, the experience that you have. But there's kind of a weird deterministic outcome or takeaway you could get from that book, which is that everyone's an outlier in something, but you don't know what it is until it's too late most of the time, unless you're really, really, really lucky. Mm. And like the examples of the hockey players, how they're professional hockey players are more likely to be born in January than any other month just because they're lucky or uh, Bill Gates, you know, started this company because he went to the only high school in the country that had a computer. So you, you still have to put the 10,000 hours in, but it's probably like where you're most likely to succeed in life is probably not the thing you want to succeed in. Right. Statistically speaking. Yeah. Even though we're all outliers in one way, like we're, we're always likely to succeed in one area, but it's probably not the area we want to be doing it. Yeah. I read that. And when it's like, Oh, that's why I shouldn't do baseball. And I was like, I should do music. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cause I I mean, clearly (laughs) 
you're you're you know born to perform. Yeah. You know, and that's that's how my mind went when I read that book. What did what were your takeaways from reading about the Beatles in that book? Oh, just that they weren't really shit until they had put in enough time. Mm-hmm. And all the musical uh artists that he spoke about in the book, they all were kind of not shit until they put in enough time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm like that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's definitely about the time. So I just think about I was just listening to a Tyler the Creator interview and he was just talking about how he's 30, by the way, which gives me a lot of confidence about my timeline too. He I, he was more popular like a younger age, but he's 30 and I think he just dropped his best album so far. And that makes me feel confident about like not having to be perfect right now and not having to be like the best thing ever right now. Like I can... I can figure it out on my own time. Um, but anyway, he was talking about how people, when he first came out, were like doubting him. And he was he was saying something along the lines of, I'm definitely going to get a Grammy. Like, duh. And they're like looking at him with an upside down cross on his forehead and a ski mask on and he's eating a cockroach. And they're like, uh, I don't know, dude. I don't know about that, bro. And he's like, that's the thing, though, is I've always seen my full potential and I think it's limitless and most people, and you can't blame them for this, but ex- like see you at face value. And I think anybody with like huge aspirations that really believes themselves has that issue where like other people's opinions fall short of their own self-belief, mm-hmm. but it's because of potential versus whatever. Anyway. No, it's cool. <laughs> I wonder what the Beatles like thought about themselves when they were coming up. Did they think that they were going to be the most successful band at the time ever? I don't know. I don't know. That, that's kind of interesting. I don't know. I definitely I definitely think they're so cool to study and listen the to. The Beatles? Yeah. That's their story's just sick cuz they really were not popping until they were all like 40. Mhm. Or 35. Yeah. Which is so crazy when you think about it. Yeah, they were kind of losers. Yeah, exactly. And they're playing like pubs. Yeah, every night for like six hours. Exactly, yeah. and that's the difference, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, I bet you get good at doing something. I know it makes me. It, it makes me want to. It makes me want to just play guitar and sing in front of people every night, uh, just to do it. I mean, you definitely get good at singing and guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And th- then it's like that's not the only skill set you need these days to make it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, your turn, my friend. Okay, my turn. My next one, this one, I am not going to recommend that you read it, but it was an interesting and important thing for me to read. Okay. And it is called A Gentle Introduction to Unqualified Reservations. And it is by a dude named Mencius Moldbug. Um, And it's a book about uh, power and what power actually is in the world and why why people will do really, really bad things and think that they're doing good things. Um, he has some interesting conclusions from that, which you'll have to go and, you know, read and discover for yourself and evaluate for yourself. Um, but I found it really interesting. And if you're interested in philosophy or... Uh, I guess there's an idea in the 
book Sapiens by uh, Yuval Noah Harari called, I think he calls it Collective Fictions or something, mm-hmm. Collective Narrative. Yeah, yeah, I'm right in that chapter right now. And yeah, and his takeaway is that the real power of the human species is that we can tell lies to each other that we all collectively believe. And once enough people believe those stories or those lies, those these myths, uh, these collective myths, then they become real in a sense that yeah. they weren't before. Because like, once we all believe it, then it basically is real. Mm-hmm. Um, so if these collective myths are the source of power in our society, then the people who are telling the myths, the people who are who have the power to indoctrinate new stories or new myths, they're the people who have the real power. Um, and that has some interesting implications if you believe it for the value of democracy because if democracy is a vote of what people believe and what people believe is given to them by you know, education and their mothers, basically what they're, what they're taught and their mothers were taught by their mothers and their mm-hmm. mothers were taught by their mothers. Um, I guess it, it's evaluating how systems can very easily become untrustworthy because there's no oversight because it's all just based on these myths that we tell each other. Yeah. And power is derived from the people who can tell the stories. Mm-hmm. Which is scary. Well, they also can kind of come from anywhere, though. So it kind of levels the playing field, in my opinion. Like, stories can come from anywhere. Like, the fact that we say no cap is because the Migos started telling that story. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so, like, the Migos, like, changing language, right? I think that the potential for that to come from anywhere is really high, especially in the connectedness that we have today. And so there's almost like a natural checks and balances with that but i appreciate mm-hmm. i appreciate that um mentious mentious moldbug mentious moldbug well it's not his real name but that's uh, his his pseudonym oh it's yeah. a really good one mentious moldbug yeah it, it it catches the ear he has another book uh called patchwork which is also really interesting and that's kind of like international law it's focused. all it's it's actually just jeff bezos no, like people know who he is in real life. He's some like nerd, basically, and he does live streams now under his real name. It's really weird. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's that guy in a Jeff like Jeff Bezos in that guy as a suit. Yeah, it, it probably is that actually. <laughs> um, cool, man. Uh, and what was the what was the name of it? A, a subtle, a gentle introduction to unqualified reservations. Okay, all right. Very long title. Okay. What's yours? Okay. I'm looking at my list and I'm trying to absorb the most impactful ones. Four hour work week is pretty impactful. And the reason, and it's a lot of people's on a lot of people's list and I'm, I'm okay with that. But the reason is, is uh, if you don't think about your working relationship, like with your employer as, or it, with your, even your own business, as something that needs to be balanced and as currency as a certain thing to leverage time, right? 
then you can like like with more currency you have more time is what i mean wait like more money currency yeah like with more money you can basically buy more time like the more money you have the less you have to listen to other people the less the more you get to control your schedule is what i mean and and so and in theory, you yeah, know, in if, theory. You, if you're removed from your business or whatever, like if you're just sitting on a pile of cash, you can do whatever you want mm-hmm. is the point. And so just just thinking it got me to think about work differently. It, it taught me to maximize my productivity with Parkinson's law a little bit better. And I, I definitely am in a space right now, technically, where I'm falling short of that. But I think that. It's important concept, and I wasn't introduced to Parkinson's law before the book. I wasn't introduced to that mindset shift before the book. You know, I was comfortable working all eight hours in the day, and then, you know, realizing that I didn't need to spend all that time to do the same amount of work, and so it very quickly got me to narrow down my scope of work and focus more, and then then have more energy left over to spend on my life. And that was the takeaway for me. So, yeah. I don't know if it's like the most actionable book in the world because you kind of have to take his summaries and do with it what you will. Um, but for me, it was really impactful. And I would recommend it as a, like a light read if anything is entertaining. Interesting. I have never read it, mm-hmm. um, but I see people on the internet shitting on Tim Ferriss all the time and it makes me kind of skeptical <laughs> about it. Yeah, yeah. No, I get why people shit on Tim Ferriss. But this book's kind of decent. Mm-hmm. And it definitely helped me personally. Do you think you could ever work four hours in a week actually? I think he could because of his specific circumstance he was in. He was just running like a protein company um, on a lot of automation so don't you think he's gonna do a bad job though? Like, do you think it's do you think he's lying? Is basically what I'm asking. Oh, do you think I don't you can think do a good job at your job with four hours a week. I I I at somebody's job or on your own company. On your own company, it's your own discretion. Like he he said that there was a certain amount of money he wanted to make, and he valued that he valued the four hours of work over that amount of money. If that makes sense. So, like, he didn't need to scale his business more and then thus create more time on his schedule. Um, And then almost all of his life is automated. Like, he has a virtual assistant and a personal assistant and somebody to run his company. And a lot of his his time on that four hours that he was talking about were, like, calls with those people to make sure things were running correctly. Wow. Yeah. It's definitely pretty cool if you can, yeah, get your leverage up high enough that you don't actually do any work. Yeah. Like he's, it's just manager and he could take those calls from anywhere. And that was like his whole thing was like, he became a uh, Muay Thai champion in China because you could still throw people at, uh, when he was competing and like all this other stuff because he like reduced his work week. <laughs> what do you think about the company culture that that creates? If you know, your CEO is kind of like, slacking off and not really slacking off, but like he's intentionally trying to work as little as possible. Do you think that that creates a company culture where everyone else also tries to work as little as possible? I, I, I'm sure, but I don't think that that's, again, I don't think he was running that. I don't think he was running a company. He was running like a little like fulfillment and online business that 
needed management and needed personal assistant to communicate to clients. But other than that, those two people, as long as they're paid, I'm sure they're happy. Uh, so the company's only three people? Uh, from what I understood, yeah. Oh, that's sick. Yeah, it was like, or, or like less than 10. It wasn't like something crazy. Mm, okay. And it's not like he was making millions of dollars. Interesting. Yeah, it's a definitely a different take on starting a business, which is pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. And I really respect it too. Like, I think the idea that businesses always have to continue to grow is kind of fucked up. Right, right, exactly. That's what I mean. It's just a different, it's a, it's an opportunity to look at business and running a business and entrepreneurship differently. And honestly, at this point, he's created a platform out of this and now can do all kinds of whatever he wants, like even more so. Um, but it, it was an interesting experiment for sure to, to do that and tell the world about it. And I appreciate the fresh take. For sure. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. What do I have next? Okay, so there's a book called Tribe by Sebastian Junger. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize until recently he was the uh, dir- director of Rest Rep Row. I don't even know what Rest, Rest Rep Row is. Rest Rep Row is the uh, Afghan documentary from like 10 years ago that was like really intensely uh documenting like jihad and al-qaeda and taliban stuff and like and our u.s involvement in it and it's like something that's circulated in a lot of uh military households uh at least when i was growing up like a lot of like my stepdad and his friends were talking about that movie it's a documentary i I never never saw it but yeah really cool sorry it's cool he has another book called war which is, I guess, probably more along the lines of that. Yeah. Well, he um, was like a boots on the ground, apparently. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. He's a really interesting guy. He, I know he did this weird uh, backpacking trip, basically, where he uh, tried to go along all the railroads on the East Coast or something Interesting. with some of his friends, and it was like weirdly illegal, and <laughs> he was just trying to be a bum, basically, like okay. exploring how to be a bum, which okay. is kind of cool. Um, I can see you doing that. <laughs> I would love to do that. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's a great book. Um, and it explains in a more, not lighthearted, but easier to consume way than Sapiens, which is a book we apparently we're just going to talk about all night. Um, in a similar way to that, uh, kind of the, the way humans are designed to live and why tribe is important and what that word really means. And how we can try to bridge the gap in the 21st century to something that we've kind of lost touch with, like using your family and your household and your community as a lifestyle tool instead of like a responsibility, Mm. which it kind of feels like in the modern world in a way. Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. Like a priority that you have to maintain, not necessarily something that's feeding you as well. Yeah, like, I mean, going back to what I was talking about earlier, the the power of people is, like, communicating with each other, collaboration, cooperation. Mm-hmm. That kind of is the basis of how we get anything done. No, a, a single person doesn't do anything. It's all about community. It's all about tribe. It's all about family. Mm-hmm. And that's what the book is about. And if you're not convinced about that somehow then go read the book (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i i didn't recommend sapiens because i haven't finished it 
Um, but I think most people that's on like all the world's best thinkers uh, list of books to read. So if you want to check that out too. And the sequel to C- uh, Sapiens is also uh, really, really cool. Homo Deus. Homo Deus. Yeah. And 21st Lessons for the 21st Century. I only got like halfway through it because I wasn't that interested, but people seem to like it. There's a discount uh, bundle pack on Amazon right now for your Kindle. <sighs> What's your next book? <laughs> okay. I, I'm going to, ch- I'm trying to like pick a couple to wrap it up soon. Maybe we can publish, um, cause we still have to do fiction too. Wasn't oh, that the next episode? Yeah. That's uh that's the next episode. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. 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 Um, I only have one more. I only wrote down five books. Okay. I only wrote, I wrote down six, but I only mentioned two. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, damn. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'll just l- mention them quickly because I want, I want to mention them, but I also don't want to beat a dead horse. Too. Like they're not as important, but they were helpful. So ultra learning is the first one. Ultra learning is a book that basically breaks down similar to outliers. Um, but way more focused on learning a task and it it recounts Scott Young. Is that the guy's name? Mm -hmm. Uh, It recounts the, a guy who uh, spent one year completing all of MIT undergrad and again, Parkinson's law type deal and intense focus. When we apply ourselves to things, we can learn things at immense rates and uh, space repetition and all kinds of other tools that he goes over about like how best to learn things that people have then brought into their doctor's courses and all these things. Anyway, he started, he started with that MIT experiment and then started doing other things and became a really good artist and became fluent in other languages in three months and um, did that with multiple languages and then was telling other people about it. And then, then he had a had a book and they were sharing it. So uh, really cool, uh, really quick read, really light read. Uh, but it's really it's really inspiring to hear that and then realize that the potential of our human nature, I really think, is what mm-hmm. the book boils down to. Yeah, when I read that, I was super motivated, but I haven't <laughs> ultra-learned anything yet. I still have plans to, but <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a lot harder than the book made it seem. <laughs> yeah, that's totally fair. Where's our motivation lately? I feel like our motivation's like down a little bit. I mean, I, I'm doing shit. It just fucking got other things going on. I, I guess I am not ultra-learning correctly. Yeah. Um, and then I wanted to mention Zero to One. Because uh, that's pretty pivotal as far as what businesses actually serve to bring to the world, which is hopefully a value value of some sort. And there's a really important question in there that's that is just interesting to ask yourself every now and then, which is uh, what is one thing you believe? It's written by Peter Thiel, by the way, uh, from the uh, PayPal Mafia. <laughs> but he he has this question in there in the very beginning of the book that says, what is one thing you believe that no one else does or something like that? And I think it's, it's always interesting to ask myself that question just for my own thinking for myself, uh, initiatives. But then he has some really interesting points about business. He's obviously very accomplished in business in many different areas. And it's a, it's a great read. There's a lot of good lessons in there. Um, I wanted to mention Atomic Habits because of uh, Tiny Habits and Momentum and uh, Environment Design, all these things by James Clear. 
And that was not necessarily the most pivotal read for me at the, at the time, but there's a lot in there that's value packed. And if anybody picks up that book, they will, will have a better life. I think if they apply any of it mm-hmm. to their life. And then lastly, the jazz of physics by Stephen Jackson, Alexander, Stephen Alexander. <laughs> um, that's a really interesting read just because of my interest, like a little bit of math, a little bit of music. It, it's a cool story and it's really just uh, it's kind of laying seed for the idea that we're all just a bundle of vibrations going around and that if there's anything that's connecting us from an ethereal plane type level, like some some higher level, it, it just may be sonics. And uh, it's just an interesting story. It's an interesting to think about. And it's interesting to see how that applies to my biggest passion, which is music and thus connecting with people, which makes like the whole thing connect in my mind, which is really interesting. And you talk to like healers and stuff. Like you talk to your sister and she talks about frequency and vibration. And you talk to a, a yogi and how they like talk about frequency all the time. It's just, it just, it's, it's, there's so many coincidences happening that it makes me curious. And that book is, I think, really good seed for that conversation. Do you think it made you better at music? No. <laughs> not what I was expecting to hear. But yeah. No, no, not at all. <laughs> Music's still very technical. This is a very high level book. It's not going to help you be better at physics or music, but it's, it's interesting to think about the connection between the two and how, how like, how we may be connected in that sense and, and how certain frequencies mean certain things to the human body and how time and space are expanding constantly and what happens upon expansion is vibration, which is ultimately sonics at some level. You may not be able to, you know, it may not be auditory to the human ear, but what are these things happening and like coalescing within all of the universe? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Yeah, he didn't know either. He's just <laughs> <laughs> he's just talking about it. <laughs> he's okay. like, yeah, it's a cool book. It sounds cool. What about you? Yeah, my last book is Waking Up by Sam Harris. And <gasps> it's a book about non-religious spirituality and how you can be a spiritual person without being religious. Cool. What was the takeaway for you that was like really important to you and why you put it on this list? Um, I, I got into Sam Harris when I was in high school. Um, and that book was the first of his books that I actually read instead of just watching YouTube videos of him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and it got me interested in altered states of consciousness, uh, got me interested in meditation, got me interested in, um, looking at, I guess other cultures as interesting and with lots of good, good takeaways and stuff. Yeah. I um, mean, he's well-traveled and has lots of experiences from Asia and stuff. And I used to live in Korea. So I kind of have like was interested in that already. Um, so it was just cool opening my horizons for, I guess, spirituality. I'm not a super spiritual person, but it's interesting to hear someone as logical as him say that, spirituality you know is useful right right yeah he's a cool dude he's cool to like just even learn about i don't know if like everything he says is like you know 
the pulpit to die on, but he is uh, definitely worth listening to. And mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's for sure. Like Free Will, I, I've only read from him, but I listen to him a lot. I listen to his uh, podcast a lot. Mm-hmm. I think he's pretty rarely wrong, but not always saying things in, in the nicest way, you know? Yeah. He, he sometimes has a harsh approach with the way he talks, but I agree with most of what he says, or at least the way he gets to what he says. That, that's for sure. That is unequivocal. On, on everything he says, at least has a good logic trail. Mm-hmm. It's there's no there's not many holes in in how he thinks if there mm-hmm. are any, at least at this point in his life. Yeah, and he's inspiring to hear talk. He's such a good speaker. He really is. Yeah, he he and his podcast is like being cradled. <laughs> it's what it feels like. It's just so soothing. Um, oh, like he's cradling you? Yeah. <laughs> I honestly stopped listening to his podcast. Oh, I love it. I just love his voice. His voice just like picks me up and puts me in a little cradle. Oh, nice. Ever since he started only publishing half of his episodes for free, I'm like, bitch, I'm not paying for this. Oh, I pay. You're beta. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Paying for podcasts. We I think give our podcast for free and we're better than Sam Harris. I think paying is the only way we avoid scalping you for ad dollars. We don't run any ads on our podcast. <laughs> we're not even doing anything. <laughs> All right. Um, but yeah, that's cool. That's a good, that's a solid list. Solid list. If yeah, any, if go read all those books. You started on the living every now nonfiction list. You'd be in a good place. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend most of the books that I recommended. Don't yet read whatever you want to read. The, the takeaway here is <laughs> that we got value out of these books. Yeah. And they're not, they're, I, I would say like some of them are on a lot of other lists and, and some of them are not at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's the cool part about reading. Check out uh, episode, I forget the number. Reading is the best gift you can give yourself. 31. No way. I have no clue. Okay, that was pretty cool. Where can they find us? We are on the internet at liveinevernow.com and Twitter and Instagram at liveinevernow. We have a Discord server, which is linked in the show notes below. And we got good plans for the Discord server. Cause so sign up. Because yeah. it might be our site backend. <laughs> we'll see about it. Yeah. <laughs> We're working on it. It'll be fun. Um, thanks for being here, Will. Thanks for thanks doing for this. Thanks for doing with this with me. Thanks for I was, doing I was it. gonna say that. Oh fuck. Uh thank you for being here, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>